This is episode number 312. Do you know when you need to face your fears or avoid them? With Casey Berman and Nancy John. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming event in Austin, Texas on September 23rd called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. What this is, is a three-day experience where you'll get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world, as well as be a part of breakout sessions that are intended to help you identify the origins of your fears, as well as ways that you can turn them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details regarding this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding this upcoming event. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Man, it's a little bit of a challenge to catch my breath here. In such high altitude, I, I the other day, I remember I was going to sleep. <clears throat> I was trying to go to sleep. And I literally was sleeping on my left side. And I was just had such a hard time being able to catch my breath. And I was thinking, I'm like, should I be going home? Like, <laughs> oh should I be going to the doctor? But it's because the altitude is so high here in Peru, at least in Cusco where I'm at. It's... Um, you know, like I literally had to sleep on, on my back the whole time. So if, even right now, like I was trying to introduce the show and then halfway through, I'm like, I don't even have enough breath to be able to continue with the rest of this. <laughs> That's crazy. So, but what I wanted to say is, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited about this experience that all three of us are going to be a part of, uh, partially because of the fact that I think over the past two to th- maybe even three years, I've had a chance to see the individual growth by the two of you and being able to create something like this with people who it's almost like you started in the same boat and just continue to elevate is something really special. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to what the three of us and Scott and Steve and so many others are going to be able to create. And I was sharing with Nancy a couple, um, maybe dream individuals that are also going to appear at this um, event in Austin. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be able to share the stage with the two of you. Um, happy that we're able to reconnect every single time. And Jessica has joined us here as well. And today's kind of topic and conversation that I wanted to open up around is around this topic of, do you know when you need to face your fears or to avoid them? Uh, which actually partially goes into Nancy's um presentation or the time that she's going to share doing that event in Austin 
And so I figured that maybe the best way to even kick this off is how do you even know when to face your fears to begin with? Easy question, right? <laughs> Would you like to share, Casey, just how you, how you navigate that? How I do that, right? Uh, well, Oleg, thanks for the, the kind words. Nancy, always great to see you. Uh, mm -hmm. For everyone watching, I'm on my phone. I had a fear. My laptop, for some reason, would not connect to the, the platform we use. So I had to log in another way. So apologize for the truncated viewing and maybe my hand holding my phone here and shaking. Um, so, and there was a fear in and of that, that I didn't want to log in via another way. It would look different. It, it would be choppy. I would ruin the show. You know, in, in the split second, I realized my laptop wasn't going to work there was a disconnect between my expectation, mm. how the webcam, what I had planned before I logged in and the reality. And I think a lot of pain, if not all pain, but a lot of pain in life is found in that, that disconnect between, Hey, this is what I expected to happen. I wanted sun on my birthday and, but it's raining on my birthday. Hmm. And, and that's where the pain comes. And it's not your birthday, is it? It's not my birthday, no. Okay, <laughs> you got me getting scared for a second. I was I was going back to my eight-year-old self or everything. Or <laughs> less, you know, my, my team didn't win or think of all the expectations we have, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the the money didn't come in. The, the job is harder than I thought. I didn't get the job, whatever it is. I didn't get the client. So it's, it's that. So, you know, to the to the question, do you do you know when to face your fears or to avoid them? I, the first thing I'll say is I think we need to face all of our fears. Now, that being said, that sounds extremely overwhelming. You don't need to do it all day. If you do, if you avoid your fears, well, they're always going to be there. Now, someone may say they're not, you just keep kind of pushing them down. Don't focus on them, but fears are there for a reason. And, and most often, you know, a fear is an energy. It's a thought that, that we have a thought and then that thought mutates into a causes a feeling and so and that feeling usually isn't a good feeling it's it's anxiety it's it's everything that kind of stems from from fear but so i view it as if you look in the world really there's two two elements there's love and fear and fear is anxiety and and competitiveness and all of that sort of stuff that cascades down there and fear is collaboration and benevolence and unity and so on. And so, uh, sorry, love is. And so if you avoid your fears, you essentially can't work them out. You can't give them the time they need. And most often a fear isn't a bad thing, but it's something that's keeping you safe. So if you have a fear of public speaking or a fear of making too much money because um, you think you might get audited or you'll lose it. You know, these are all mechanisms that in some way subconsciously was there to keep us safe. I mean, think about it. Our, our parents told us, watch both ways, be careful with cars on the street. I mean, that's kind of scary, but it was mainly so we didn't get run over. We didn't get hit. But you get to a certain point in life where you're like, I'm okay. So I think if you avoid your fears, you don't give them the do and you essentially don't close that loop. And um, now facing your fears doesn't mean you need to go to the dark side and face your shadows and get deep down every moment, but it does mean that you just acknowledge it's there and then slowly and surely you can kind of let it extinguish or possibly use it in some way productive. So that's how I feel about it. 
Nancy? Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm <laughs> just nodding because I agree with a lot of how you approach the case. Well, first off, thank you, Oleg, for a very kind introduction. I, I said this all the time. I love being in conversation with you. Uh, your curiosity is something that definitely inspires me to be more curious myself. So I appreciate that. And I and I always appreciate being in conversation with you as well, Casey. I think we've had a couple of opportunities. So yeah, thank you great. for having me, having me again. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with the way you approached it, Casey. Um, the, the part that you said that really resonated for me is that I, I've really come to realize that you know, everything that we do, we do it because it makes sense to us. And what I do makes sense to me, what Casey does make sense to him, what Oleg does make sense to him. It does not necessarily mean we all have to understand what everybody's doing, but if we can just appreciate that everything we all are doing makes sense to us. So even when I think about something like fear, whatever we're, that, that fear to your point creates, you know, usually we term them as negative emotions, right? Like, anxiety or worry or whatever might come up and they're all in service of us so everything that we have going on is in service of us and and that can feel a little bit odd to say that because we're like well how can that be in service but in some way or the other we have created our patterns or have adopted patterns or kept them going because they they serve us in some way so even with the fear that we have about something it's there for a reason so public speaking like it's usually a security mechanism, right? Like fear has been there to keep us safe and security is important to us as human beings. And so we keep we keep that going forward. So I, for me, when I think about that question of, you know, when do I know to face them versus avoiding them? I mean, one thing I've come to realize is I don't know that there's ever going to be a time uh, that the most common fears that come up for me around like, you know, um, the idea of being, whether it's around being accepted, whether it's around uh, around Am I am I going to know enough? Or am I going to show up as looking foolish? Like whatever those 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 common fears might be, I've come to realize that I don't know that there's ever going to be a point that I'm going to be completely rid of them. So the idea of that one day these are all gone, I I think I I'm I'm coming to terms with that that probably is not reality, that 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 they will always exist. The question becomes, what do I do with them? And how can I, it's this idea of befriending them. It sounds so weird, but the idea of befriending them to say, when that pops up, there's a reason that's popped up. So for me, this idea of facing my fears versus avoiding them is just recognizing when that, so for me, it's usually a sense of anxiety or worry. It's rare that I'm scared. Scared to me is like that extreme end of I have to run for my life. Then yes, I'm running, like I'm running for it. But in my day-to-day -day life, it's usually worry or anxiety or something in that, uh, in that, in that place. But it feels bad enough. Enough angst has been created that I want to do something about it. So, what I've come to realize is when that feeling pops up, I just have to ask myself, why is this showing up right now? Sometimes it could be very obvious. I might be maybe I'm getting ready to present something or I'm getting ready to do something that I have not done before, and then I'm. It's pretty obvious. This is why it's showing up. Other times it could be something a little bit more hidden and I'm not quite aware. All of a sudden it just showed up. I'm like, why did it show up? So what I just, what I, for me, that when it comes to facing versus avoiding, I've just come to realize asking why it's showing up. And then I have an opportunity. Usually when I've pinpointed what's there and why it's there, it'll either subside. The realization of it is enough for it to help it subside. Or sometimes it doesn't subside and I have a decision to make. 
do I want to do something about it? And that's when I decide this idea of facing my fear means like, am I going to do something about it? Or the other thing for me, and this is, I don't call it avoiding. I just say, I just make a conscious decision. I recognize it. It's here. It's bothering me. But right now I don't want to do anything about it. And I'm fine with that too. So it's never a complete avoidance of it. Uh, Let me back up. There are definitely times when I distract myself. So I will go on my phone and like play a random game or something. It's just something very distracting mechanism I will do. But even that is in service. Like even that is there for me to say right now, I'm just too overwhelmed to think about this. So I am consciously deciding to do something. So I've just realized I've become much more conscious of my choices. And in that moment, I say, am I going to continue with the choice? Yes, I am, because that's what I want to do right now. Or, you know, this is bugging me enough that I have to do something different about it. So I, I'm not going to avoid it, but I'd like to take some action. So that's that's the assessment I take. You know, what, what jumped out to me is you're conscious of it. Yeah. You're not controlled by the fear in a program where you don't even know what's going on. You're yeah. conscious of it. You're observing it. Yeah. And so that is... I feel that that's a, a superpower that that you have there because I think a lot of people aren't conscious of the fear. They get worked up, they get anxious, they lash out or they or they go inward because they don't want to be attacked. But I think being conscious of that fear, uh, it doesn't mean you need to resolve it. You might right. put it on the back burner, but just being conscious of it is is huge. That's really yeah. the the threshold moment there. Yeah, for sure. If fear, if fear is always among us, what does it mean to be fearless to either of you? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you understand that? Well, to Nancy's part, I don't know if anyone is ever fully fearless in, in the, you know, fully across the board because new fears, new fears pop up. Um, fears are mitigated and then, and, and you see them again. So I don't know, but I think fearless to me in isolation means that um, you've faced it and you realize it hasn't uh, killed you. I mean, ultimately, figuratively, figuratively or literally, we're afraid of death. So if you think about taking a new job, becoming an entrepreneur, having children, not having children, whatever these big things you know, you're worried, well, if I leave my job and get a new job, they'll fire me on the next day because they'll know an imposter and I'll lose my money and my spouse will be disappointed and he or she will take the kids and my family will hire a blimp saying how dumb a decision it was and I'll get kicked out of my house and then I'll be in a box and I'll be under a freeway and I'll die. And you know, it's absurd, but like when that's you're a not- really extreme situation, <laughs> I hope that's not real life for someone. But I think everyone goes through that figuratively in their mind that that if I do X and it doesn't work out, I'm I'm going to not be socially accepted. I'm going to have I mean think I mean being having your parents disappointed in you is is a huge pain for many of us. It's almost akin to to death in a certain way. And so we don't want to die. Survive. I mean, one of the moments in our life one of the main things we've been taught is to survive at all costs. And so I think that um, that's a fear that, that so many of us have. And, but the thing is, we're not conscious of it. We can't laugh at it. Like we all just said that's absurd because we actually faced it. Um, we looked at it right now. But, and if you're conscious of it, like Nancy said, you go, okay, that's crazy. I'm still suffering from it, but that's not going to happen, right? 
But when you're not conscious of it, you have that worry and that anxiety in yourself. Now, let's distinguish worry and anxiety. Worry, as I've heard defined, is there's a specific thing you have to get done. You don't think you can achieve it, and you're worried about it. How will I pay my bills next month? Um, how am I going to deal with the issue my kid has at school? How am I going to negotiate this new lease agreement? Ah, anxiety is this sort of like war of attrition, general feeling of something wrong, and you don't have a solution. Um, and that's what makes it so difficult to, to cure or even to, to reduce. Um, but I think the fears are always there with you. I think the distinction point to what to Nancy said is whether you're conscious of them and you can kind of giggle at them um, or, or you're not conscious and you're just kind of swimming in them. And one tip I do is if you personify your fears, so if you have money fears, you know, if you call it Mindy money, you can't help but smile at it. And now you're smiling at this boogeyman and laughing at it because Mindy money really sounds stupid, but now you're smiling at a fear. And that's a first step of kind of re of adding some levity and reducing the the seriousness. Mm. What's think, the you know, what, what? Sorry, I'm just just to, go ahead. Nancy. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what's the what's the uh, thought process behind personifying things? Because I've heard the same thing, and and Nancy, you and I had the same dis discussion like five or six months ago. Giving the name to a thing, what what is the what is the effect of that? Like, what does that actually do? Nancy, you had a point. I don't want to interrupt you. No, why don't you? Because you because you talk about okay. Mindy money, I'd love to hear uh, your rationale behind it. Okay, don't forget your point. But um, well, one, you you give it shape. So imagine in the cartoons, you'd have this ghost, and they would throw a sheet over it. All of a sudden, you can see where the ghost is. Um, Seth Godin, the writer and marketer and just blogger, you know, he said that when a new regulation is coming out in a city or law, they should name it after the mid-level bureaucrat who wants it. So like Prop 13 is was in the 70s here in California with property tax. I mean, what if that was the Casey Berman uh, property tax law to cap, uh, cap um, property tax on certain houses, which will hurt public schools? Like, what if that was the name of the law? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Everyone knows I'm the one who's pushing this through. I'm not anonymous. So when the fear is no longer anonymous, when it has shape, when it has an identity of some kind that you can point to, all of a sudden, you, you know where to look. And so you don't have to. It's easy to avoid something you can't find or that's murky. But all of a sudden, this has a shape now. You know where to go to look at it. And then when you look at it, you're like, Mindy money, really? I'm going to end up under a freeway overpass? Like, come on. Really? They're going to think I'm an imposter, at a fraud at this new job? I'm not going to get fired on day two. What am I thinking? Like, sure, be prepared in the job. Don't mess up. Like, get ready. And yeah, you might run into some issues, but you've interviewed with eight people there. They've interviewed you over three cycles. Like, your resume looks like you're going to be fine. Mindy? Thanks. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but I'm good. So it's that sort. Of, otherwise, you're just like, why am I anxious? I don't. Ah, what's going on? And and you don't you don't pinpoint it. So hopefully that that helps answer it. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of, and I think this is perhaps a conversation you and I had over a few months back. The idea of 
um, becoming friends with your insecurity. Because if we can understand that it's all, look, we've created these patterns in service and I'm not saying all the patterns are healthy. So don't, that, that's not what I'm getting at. It's just that we've created these things to in service of something. So when I become, so, you know, let's take that scenario case you brought up. I become anxious. I'm, you know, people at work are going to think that I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. They're going to think I'm an imposter. That allows me, that for me might give me the permission to not try as hard. That gives me the permission to take a step back. It's given, like, so now I can be safe. It's all here, Nancy. This is going to happen. So I'm here because I want to keep you safe. So what do you need to do? I'll just take a step back. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't cause too much of a fuss. And so I can do that. Or if I become, if I can actually recognize to say, you know what, this is here for a reason. Why are you showing up right now? Like what actually happened? Sometimes, like I said, it's obvious, something obvious happened. And sometimes for me, at least it's not so obvious. I just start to feel a little off. I'm like, why am I feeling anxious about it? I don't I'm not quite sure. And it's almost an internal conversation I will have to say. I might even say, is it because of the conversation I had with Olaf? Did something come up in that conversation? Because like, it was after that. And I almost started asking myself these questions. And it's interesting because subconsciously, as soon as I hit on the thing, it just, the bubble pops, as in whatever that, that strain was, goes, I'm like, okay. And now I have an opportunity to say, what do I want to, do I want to do something about it? Or that was actually not to oh, Casey's point. I was like, that was actually nothing. I'm not really sure why that, yeah, no, that's, there's nothing. It's fine. It's gone. And it's gone. Or it's like, it's not gone. It's still there. Something happened. There's something bugging me about it. I need to do something or, you know what? I recognize it, but I don't want to do something about it right now. Look, all of those things can be choices I can make at that point. Your question about um, being fearless. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Casey. I don't know that there's ever this idea of like being complete. Like I said, I don't know. I've come to, I don't know that that's ever going to be me. I'm never going to be that person who does not have these, these little you know, gremlins, as they call it, or these demons that just kind of rise up at some point and they're just, they're howling. Uh, but rec distinguishing it with courage has helped me. Like rather than fearlessness, talking about courage. And so as soon as you asked that question, I went and looked, I had written this, I love this. Uh, this is actually from The Wizard of Oz, where uh, where is it the, the lion comes looking for courage. And so the wizard actually gives this piece of advice. And he says, you have plenty of courage, I'm sure answered Oz. All you need is confidence in yourself. There's no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. The true courage is in facing danger when you're afraid and that kind of courage you have in plenty. And I was like, that's available to all of us. So to me, fearlessness, rather courage, is the ability to step into the thing, even when I am panicking and worried and, and scared or anxious about it and, and coming through it. That to me is what fearlessness yeah. means. I think I think fearlessness is a high bar. It's probably an impossible bar yeah. to to hit. Unfortunately, we we fearlessness is something in in our culture that people all expound. And you may be fearless in certain instances. Yeah. Um, you're just whether it's playing a game or bungee jumping or building a business or whatever, there may be moments where you just don't have that fear, which is great. You've overcome them or maybe in your subconscious, it's not, you're just not afraid. I mean, that's fine. If you look in the, in overall in the totality of it all, we, we always have fears. And I think to your point, Nancy, it's about moving forward, 
despite those fears, even though that they're there. And to add to courage, it's, I, I like that you brought that up. I heard a great, great quote many years ago that, you know, um, your life expands or contracts in relation to the amount of courage you have. And so when you're able to move forward, despite those fears, like you said, your courage grows and your life expands. There's opportunities, people come into your life, you know, things happen, synchronicities, all of that. Um, so, um, that's, I'm happy you brought up courage. I think, I think that's a better way to look at it than, than fearless, fearless, fearless actually may stress us out because who's actually ever really going to be fearless. That's like passion. I I don't know if I've ever found my passion. Uh, I've been passionate about some things, but when they say follow your passion, I'm not sure what that is. You know, I'm supposed to say my kids are my passion and family, and I get it, and they are. But like, but that's you know that's the the thing we're supposed to say. But I mean, my sports teams. Um, I like to run. I like my dog. You know, uh, I don't know. Like, what's really a? I don't know. But we're supposed to have one. We're supposed to be fearless. Yeah. We're supposed to have a passion. And and it, it seems like it's it's a calming thing that ultimately ends up stressing you out and, and making yeah. you feel bad about yourself because you don't have it. But you don't need it. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I found challenging in my own life is having a singular passion, right? right. Yeah. Finding that one thing to be passionate rather understanding that there are multiple things. I mean, I love the Lions, the Tigers, and all these other teams. and there's so many things outside of sports, books, all these things that I enjoy. And, and I, I've oftentimes wondered if that's cultural or if that's global as far as having that singular sense right. of passion and pursuing it. Or if that's something that's solely imposed upon people in U.S. or Question. how it is. So well, I've been you, trying to understand that. I think if I don't know, but I just came to me that you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the top, once you have your money and your shelter and your food, you know, you want to self-actualize and you want to find out who you are, which is a great place to be. You're not worried about eating. You have food. So it gives you that time to sit under the apple tree and just say, who am I? And is the sun the center of the universe or are we the center of the universe? Right? Like you can think about those things and having that idle time is actually is, is great to have, but sometimes I think through all that process, particularly in the past century, you have that and you're like, all right, well, what am I excited about? What's my passion? And I, I have a feeling the the idleness and the free time that many of us have had in life uh, has enabled us to then, there's been this kind of like industrial, military industrial complex around being ultimately happy. And um, I think it's hurt us all because, but like, for example, Oleg, if you look at you, we can look at tangible things, you know, sports teams and books and so on. But I think there's a passion for you around the curiosity and the asking the questions and meeting people. Um, it's hard, you know, if you were to go to people like, yeah, I'm passionate about meeting people. People would be like, yeah, but that's not really a hobby. So it doesn't fit in what's expected. But I think the passion like i'm very passionate about about connecting some dots around self and who i am capital y capital lowercase y of you i like i'm kind of that's where my mind is going and some people are very passionate about about the stock market and they just love finance and they just want to connect the dots on you know how does crypto really work and that's just part of what you're passionate about is where you're going to voluntarily so mm -hmm. 
I think that's a good point about the intangibility of some of the things that we get passionate about. It becomes harder to explain. That's right. And I, I have found what happens is <clears> if you <throat> have a harder time explaining, we feel that it's not a real thing. So then if I try to explain something that's not real, you're going to be like, what the heck is she talking about? She doesn't have a passion. And life, I, I realized like, so when you talked about, you know, your kids, your dog, running, sports, life is built on the small things. Our everyday life, that you just described everyday life, Casey, like that is everyday life. And so what that tells me is like, I'm, it's about like living in those moments. Cause that is actually, life is just the small moments, right? So if you're passionate about the small moments that tells you, you have passion for life because that's what every day is. Uh, and I'm, 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 it, I still, so I say that even recognizing that I still struggle sometimes with when people say, what are you passionate about? That I don't have a concrete answer to give them because it doesn't feel like it's meaty enough what I have to say. I still struggle with that. Uh, I'm coming to terms of being okay with that. It's not, it's like, I'm actually have a lot of things I enjoy. Okay, am I going to say I'm passionate about it? But this like, I appreciate, I'm so grateful. Like maybe that's another way I look at it. I'm just grateful for a lot of the smaller, like the everyday moments in life. I can sit there and appreciate it uh, and just experience it. I'm like that. Yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy the simpler, simpler things. And that's about all I can say at this moment. And, and what I'm super passionate about, I know a lot of times it comes to work, our, the, our mechanism for creating money. Uh, I'm like, it's okay. You can, I can shift that. I may be doing this now. Talk to me in three years. I might shift it. And, and the idea of being able to shift is also kind of, it's something we have a difficult time saying, because so that means you don't have a passion for it. I'm like, I don't know, man, like life is moving all the time. Like I'm not, the, I'm not going to be the same person in three years. So who knows where? where that passion will take me. You know, so being okay with that. You brought up gratitude. And what made me think is that when it comes to passion, when it comes to, um, you know, we're talking about fears and avoiding them and the passion could sort of be the opposite of it. There's, you know, there's sort of the, the process and the actuality of the things you do in the moment. And then there's the status. So why did you go to Cozumel? Did you go to actually enjoy the heat or did you do it so that when you come, you could tell people you were going and when you got back home, you could tell people that you went. Now, maybe it's a mix of both, but well, what's there? What is the fear? The fear is that you're not going to live up to the social standard that you want to brag about it, that you need to show off a little bit because you don't feel good about yourself. Listen, we all, we all brag and we all talk about it. Like, that's yeah. fine. We're in this human experience. But I think when you show gratitude, the equation I've seen or the dots is when you actually, and Oleg's great at this, when you actually are grateful in that moment, that helps you be in the moment. It's like a great trick to not be in the past or in the future, but to really be in the moment because you're being grateful for what you have right now. And then when you're grateful for what you have right now, you're doing the small things. You're in the actuality. You're in the process of it. And it's not very sexy, but mm -hmm. you're in the process of it. Yeah. And um, Mark Manson, that writer uh, who I really like a lot, he said, happiness is the process of becoming your ideal self. And it's not a destination. There's no journey. A pro like Madison Avenue can't sell you on a process. Like process is, process is boring. Process means it keeps going. There's no end to it. But that's really what it is. And to your point earlier, Nancy, like you're always going to have fears. Like there's always a process of becoming your ideal self. That's, and maybe ideal self is moving forward in spite of your fears. Right. And so gratitude, when you do that, that's where you meditate. I mean, it all, 
it all sort of leads to what the smart people have said in the past, right? Like clear your mind, observe your thoughts, calm down. Don't be too worried about the end game um, and, and just be in the process. I think, unfortunately, in life, we've been taught the destination, the mm. journey, some tangible passions. Um, and uh, it's a bar that many of us can't meet. So then when we can't meet it, it keeps us feeling bad about ourselves. And I'm not going to go down the conspiracy route, but if a lot of people feel bad about themselves, you can sell them stuff and keep them kind of down. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think gratitude is really, what if we were all grateful even for our fears? Like, I don't know. It would, I think it would shift everything. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting because I one, one question that comes to my mind as I think about it is when we talk about this journey, you know, you mentioned like all the wise people over ages have said the idea of, you know, be grateful, be, be present, <clears throat> meditate, right. all those things. It's always that moment in, in the moment when we hear those, uh, those pieces of advice, it feels definitely like, yes, that's, that's the morsel I want to take on. I want to, I want to ingest it. I want to take it in. And then you have real life. And so some of the challenges I feel that come up is that taking on those practices when you might be, when the circle around you might not be doing the same. I think that's when it can, that tensions can build up where we have those good intentions, but real life is not moving, helping me move in that direction. It's so it's that, it's that frustration of, still exercising those things and i think that's what can stall a lot of us and that's why i always talk about this idea of like everything being uh, like <clears throat> life is a small pieces uh, so yeah. if i'm just worried if i if it's just and, and i say this to myself it's not even like i'm talking to everybody here and saying this is how it's an everyday realization that if i'm always if even with the idea of great gratitude and, and mindfulness and everything it's always about this end destination of where am i going it can be challenging because where I'm going is never alone. I'm going there with people. There's people around me in that process. And sometimes they're not done the same, like they're not all doing the same things on the journey. We might be tracking in the same direction, but we're not going about it the same way. And that can be challenging. Um, that can create roadblocks around this idea of being grateful or the idea of you know, uh, practicing the things that we want to practice. So the question becomes, what do you do in those moments? Yeah. Do you decide that this is not worth it? Like not everyone around me is doing it. So I don't really care. It doesn't work. Or do we still keep at it? Or do we just fumble through? Uh, and, and the reality is like, that's life, right? That, that's kind of everybody's life. Nobody Nobody's getting there perfectly. I feel sometimes because stories are written about the end destination or like the best, best journey, that I, you know, I, and I guess not a lot of us would be reading the stories about all the blunders all the time, but just to realize that, that that's even for everyone who has achieved whatever it is, this idea of um, getting to this place of gratitude or fearlessness or courage, it's not, it's not a done deal. It is a constant practicing of it because the day you, the day I decide that, oh, I've, I've, I've figured this out is the day I have not figured a single thing yeah. out. Like this is always, it's always a, a constant 
reckoning I find yeah. of, of, of working through fear and working with courage and working through fear and working with courage every single day. It's not a, I figured it, it's gone. <laughs> it's not gone. It's always there. So just to pick up on, on that, I, there's, there's two things that I do. I either one, and I have, I have a 12 year old and a 15 year old. So you can imagine um, everyone agrees with me in my home and everything works out very, very well. Um, but I either, I either don't realize it in the time and I'm playing in this human, I'm playing in this human world and I snap or I get angry or I fall into it and, and later on have to realize, okay, boy, I was, I got, the ego got me, right? Uh, the fear got me and I, I snapped or I felt attacked. Or in the moment, I am able to realize I'm actually out of this matrix and someone is apparently attacking me. Yeah. And um, I say, okay, I'm able to recognize this is not an attack. They are feeling down. They're feeling whatever. This is not personal. Doesn't mean I don't stand up for myself. Maybe I leave the room or whatever, but hopefully I'm able to do it in the moment. Uh, if not, because I'm just caught up in it, then I realize afterwards it's okay. Yeah. You don't need to be Zen master every moment. Yeah. You can't, right? Yes. But you know, you mentioned in real life, what if it's the flip? What if this simulation, row, row, row your boat, dream? matrix, whatever it is, studio set we're on, um, isn't real. But what is real is when you're in the moment, when you're meditating, when you're clear, what if that's what's real? Mm. And what we're doing right now is not real. And it makes me think of, or it is real, but it doesn't need to be the only reality. And so it makes me think Alan Watts talks a lot about how we have it wrong and that life in this world is more like a, a song. It's music. He says, you know, life was a song and we forgot to dance. And because everything's vibrations. I mean, the only reason we're communicating right now is because of the, the invisible auditory vibrations I'm creating that hit the speaker in, in, in your, uh, in, that, that hit the diaphragm in your speaker that then resonate on your eardrum. If that didn't happen, if that vibration wasn't there and you weren't able to accept that vibration on the diaphragm of your eardrum, there's no conversation. There's nothing. And so, I mean, that's the thing, like a radio or these speakers, it is literally this vibration hitting the diaphragm and then our brains are able to process these sounds because we have composed words in English that mean a certain thing. Um, if that doesn't happen, there isn't any of this. And so... The point about a song is we're not in a rush to get to the end of the song. There's no destination. Yeah. We're here for the song. You don't right. dance to get somewhere. Right. And I think it's beautiful how he says that because we're in such a hurry. Life is a journey, but it's really not. Life's an adventure. Life's a song. Life's a dance. And, but that's boring because, because we've been programmed to get somewhere. Right. And if you're not getting somewhere, well, then what's the point? And the point is, to your point, Nancy, the point is right now. Mm -hmm. And the point is the process. You know, entrepreneurship is so hard for people because they imagine ringing the bell. Mm -hmm. They imagine going public. They imagine 40 grand in passive income every month. 
but they don't imagine the process. They don't imagine the actuality of it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when building a business is, is difficult. So, yeah. but what if this isn't real? So what if this is the dream? So mm-hmm. then that attack, Do either- that attack, that bad thing someone said or that bad whatever happened to you didn't really happen. Yeah. I know in the matrix you play, mm-hmm. I get it, but like, this really isn't real. doesn't mean I don't deal with it in this, this simulation we're in, but like what's really real is when I was chilling earlier on my couch and my mind was clean and I was in bliss. That's what's real. Mm. Or is it, or is it Casey that, um, kind of following that thread of, is it real? Like, what's the story I would like to, like, what's the story I would like this to be? What's the narrative I would like it to be? So the attack that Casey made towards me, what's the narrative I'd like to build around that? There's a, there's probably a natural narrative, which is, I don't think he likes me. And that I, I don't think I did that right. I probably sounded stupid. Or the other narrative could be Casey's having a bad day. He's actually upset about himself. Or the other thing might be Casey's a jerk. Casey's just an unkind. But like, so there are multiple narratives or it could be Casey wasn't even talking to me. He was looking at somebody else. So right. what's the narrative that I want to, which is the narrative I would like to live? We've just, I feel that we have all conditioned ourselves to certain narratives because again, they serve us. Yeah. All of them have served us in a certain way. So the idea of seeing differently, that's been my, a bit of a journey for me the last couple of years. It is such a work in progress. The idea to see something or someone differently. Yeah. Can I see this differently? That is once I realize I can write another story, but even then there's a choice in that of, do I want to write a different story? What is the story I would like to write? There's something that that old story served me. There's a, there's some way it served me. So for me to flip the storyline, I still need that service of some sort to come into the new storyline. It is a, it's so it, it is a process that's possible, but it's, it is also an intentional work because all of us have built a pattern that got us here and it it's, got us here with some reason. So <laughs> that's right. And it served you, David R. Hawkins is psychiatrist. He talked about this where he called them um, cheap little payoffs. Mm. And it served you. So like if you're, if you play small and you don't go for the promotion, you don't start the business, you don't get out there. Why would you do that? I mean, you're not making the money. You're not having, well, you're, there's a payoff you get. Yes. You get to keep that victim mentality. Yep. You get to stay angry at your parents for raising you the wrong way. Because if you become a successful entrepreneur, you may have to go back to your parents and say, Hey, you you know, you kind of did it right. Like, thank you. You have to go say thank you to your parents. And you just may not want to do that. Mm-hmm. So the addiction to being angry at your parents overcomes or is greater than the riches and bliss of being a successful entrepreneur. Yes. And all the people you'll help, the products you'll make, everything that you'll do. Now, that's pretty extreme, but I think that's how it happens. And yeah. so the shifting, Nancy, is consciously or subconsciously. Um, is when you say, I, I'm, I'm going to give up that anger to my parents yeah, or I'm going to reduce it as much yeah. as it feels so good to blame them for everything. Yeah. But I'm 38 years old. I'm 44 yeah. years old. I'm thir- I'm 28 years old. I'm going to stop. Yeah. That can be hard. Yeah. That yeah. can be hard. Um, 
you know, even now, like it feels really good to kind of like tell my kids what to do and come on now you're not, you know, what are you doing? That type of thing as a parent, right? Because I'm looking out for them. Yes or no. Funny story. My, I barged into my son's room once and, and not barged, but I came in and he's on his computer doing some, some stuff. And I'm like, what is it? Get off the screen. Come on. It's sunny outside. And he looked, he has a, uh, a class where they do predictions for sports and it's, it's a math class and they gamify it and they make it fun. And he's like, I'm doing my bracket for the NHL predictions for the playoffs. And he's just talk about passionate, but he's in front of a screen. Mm -hmm. And I sort of backed out of the room, like, right. Okay. You're, you're actually engaged and passionate learning math, having fun in your zone. And why am I barging in and interrupting? Like, what am I doing? Right. Um, but I had this addiction to, I don't know what being all knowing I had, I had an image of him as just wasting time. Not at all. Screen time is bad. His brain's going to get fried. I don't know. Um, so I had to let that go. Yeah. Oh, like we haven't let you talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 genuinely passionate here. This is like the best masterclass I could sign up for. That's free. But you know, to to that point, there are a couple of things that came up to my mind. First is that essence of control, wanting to control the outcome or wanting to control the process of certain things. Like I find myself doing the same exact thing. And what's funny now is because I'm at this age and whenever I visit my parents, like I'm finding myself controlling them at, from time to time. <laughs> Don't do this or don't do that because somehow I think I know more just due to the generation that I've been raised yeah. in, right? That's one thing. And and then the other thing that I really got me curious when the two of you were talking about this earlier point in regard to the ideal version of self, do you think it's really possible for us to meet the ideal version of who we are? Or is that something that we're constantly going to chase for the rest of our lives? Well, I'll answer because I brought that up. I so I don't know if I I, I don't want to chase it. Um, I don't I don't want to chase it. That that comes from a, a bit of lack. I think that's that's what we've been programmed to do is is do the stick, the carrot, all of that. So I have chased it. I don't really want to chase it anymore. But you know, I think the question of whether it's something that that can actually actually actualize, actually appear. I, the ideal, I think that you want to define your ideal self. And I think the ideal self for me is someone who's um, aligned with, with Nancy's moment, right? The moment uh, I, I, I'm always, it's, it's that dance. It's just constantly changing. It's a river that's always moving. Um, I'm always going to be different. So I think my, my ideal self is, is myself. Um, free of fear. That's my ideal self or free. Uh, I'll say it a different way. I want to say it. My ideal self is one who's courageous. Mm. And my life is expanding. I see my fears, but I don't let them rule me. And I'm, I know everything is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think just, what we started off this conversation with this idea of like facing or sorry, no second question around being fearless. I, I feel that ties into this question about ideal self. 
I don't know if there's this one one ideal self. Like I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to find the words to describe what I'm trying to get at, because I feel that it's a constant evolution. We are constantly evolving. I hope. I hope that we are constantly evolving. Right. If you think back to yourself, five, ten years ago, even six months ago, you're likely not exactly how you were then. Uh, and so, so because it's a constant evolution, I feel like this idea of achieving or getting to your ideal self is it's not a, it comes back to this idea of it's not a destination. Ideally, it is a constant of a journey. I'm always evolving. So for me right now, the idea of, you know, being generous with, um, you know, the ability to be generous in like both uh, giving and receiving love, right? So that's very broad. Sometimes that can become a very, uh, I can I can have a more pinpointed way of looking at it depending on situations, but it's it's very broad. But, so that's always gonna be evolving. I, I know that, you know, courage is important to me as well. My ability to, uh, you know, I wanna be able to be kind and courageous. And both of those things are important to me. It's not enough for me to just be somebody who, you know, you say something like, I'm gonna bully you down versus somebody who's like, oh, I'm just gonna back off it's this combination of kind and courageous and to me generosity fits into that you know that means i can be generous in my listening and i can be generous in my speaking my ability to speak when it's necessary because that's that's an area i have found for me has been a block a lot of a lot of areas in my life i just haven't spoken when it was timely to do so it served me well in some situations and it has served me poorly in other situations so it's kind of that idea courage plays into that generosity plays into that but it's an evolution. I've just realized that I don't think I'm always going to get it right. Even this past weekend, I, I was there telling myself, I was just like, you missed that opportunity. Why didn't you say this? I just, it didn't come to me. And I can either sit there and like be really upset about it, which I was, mind you. I, like, I'm not going to say I wasn't. I was upset about it. But I, for me, I always, I can, like, I, I have a chance to think that I can say, okay, well, that, that whole moment is done. What do I make of that? But that's an evolution. So I know that I'm not going to all of a sudden become this person who's going to be always on. It's just that's not who I am. But it's an evolution for me. And so every time I experience it, uh, those moments where I, I I I show up the way I want to show up, then I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, like this is possible. I'm growing into it. And the moments I don't, I'm disappointed. Uh, but the question becomes, what do I do in that? In either of those times, do I just kind of rest on that to say I've arrived or that this is something I'll never be able to do. So that's why for me, this idea of ideal self is someone whom we can become daily. It's it's just a moment by moment evolution. You have the, you have the access, it's available to you uh, at all times. And you also have the ability to not achieve it. Right? It's just, we have both. And so if we can just be like constantly, who do I wanna be? How do I get there? Am I showing up as that person today? And maybe today I'm like, I don't have the capacity in me today, I'm too tired. Today, I'm just going to, maybe I'm not getting to the best version of me, but that's fine too. Because it, it's sometimes it's, you're just tired and, and that's okay as well. So that's kind of how I look at this uh, idea of getting to an ideal self. Mm. Obviously, this is a conversation we can have for hours upon hours. So I'll, I will save it for the time when we actually meet in person and, and able to continue the rest of this. But for anyone that's going to be listening to this or interested in learning more about you guys, what are some ways that people can get in touch with you? And Nancy, I'll start with you. 
Yeah, awesome. Uh, one of the best ways is, you know, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. So that's that's one way you can connect with me. You just have to look up Nancy John. My picture is on there because there's a few Nancy Johns um, or the website that uh, that Oleg has on the bottom of the screen, cleadershipdevelopment.com. You can reach out to me, find out a little bit about the work that I do in terms of leadership development. I'd be happy to have a conversation. Casey. Yeah, you can find me again on LinkedIn and also at leavelawbehind.com where I help unhappy attorneys to face their fears and career transition to non-law um, jobs and careers they, they're good at and uh, they enjoy. Mm. I want to thank the two of you for being a part of this and being a part of the upcoming event and everything. It's, um, you know, so like I said, it's always a joy for me to connect with the two of you because I feel like I learned so much more. There was a reason why I actually sat there in the background just listening, just literally soaking all of it in because I, I think I think between what we discussed, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to process and uh, there's a lot of truth. I think there's a lot of truth. I know for me, for many years, I subscribed to the narrative of fear of um, face everything and rise or some, or fake yes. evidence appearing or whatever the thing was. And like... You know, it, like Nancy, you, you said it served a purpose because it got me here. But after a yeah. while, I started to realize that all I was doing was I was masking the fears. I was never getting to the root. I was diminishing the fear for what it was. So having these conversations for me, it's helpful because it shows me the reality of it all, that fears are real. They don't go away. You know, they transform, but they're still there. So I just want to appreciate the two of you for being a part of it. I look forward to sharing that stage with you in however many months from now and uh, just extremely grateful to be connected to the two of you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.